This is Caps This Morning with John Walton and Ben Raby on Caps Radio 24-7. Uh, it's going to be great. I feel like we have home ice again. There's a lot of things that hockey players in the situation we're, that we're at uh, that we take for granted. And having our, our own fans in the building is... I think was one of them before uh, this whole thing started. So I can't wait to, to get him back in the crowd, hear some noise when uh, when you do something good, get a little positive reinforcement, get a little help uh, bringing down the other team and, and the rest. So really excited to see the fans. We miss them a lot. For the first time in almost 15 months, there will be fans tonight at Capital One Arena. An East Division fight continues this evening as the Islanders come to town and the one, the only, Bruce Boudreau joining the show today on the East Race. Mike Green, his television work, and yes, he wants to coach again. Good morning, everybody. It is Tuesday, April 27th. Welcome to Caps This Morning here on Caps Radio 24-7. You heard TJ Oshie off the top here, and he's excited. The guys are excited, and we're excited, and we know you are too. As the New York Islanders come to town this evening and the Caps begin play just one point behind Pittsburgh for first place in the East, no doubt an emotional lift coming, Ben, tonight for the home team. For the first time since March 4th last year, there will be fans in attendance at Capital One. Only 2,100 tonight, a long way to go, but it's a start, and it will be an incredible feeling for all of us to have them back. Yeah, a long time coming, and good things come to those who wait. Finally, fans back at Capital One Arena, albeit in a limited capacity, but six of the final eight games for the Capitals this regular season on home ice and some fans in attendance, and good for the fans who will be there who will get to see some meaningful hockey here. Capitals and Islanders, again, duking it out along with the Pittsburgh Penguins for top spot in the division. Should be a whole lot of fun, and I know the players, the team, the Capitals are revved up for this. They've been in visiting buildings where there have been fans as have you and Ken Sabrin seen that game in Philadelphia a couple of weeks ago. I know they're revved up to finally have their own fans backing them and should be a whole lot of fun tonight. Looking forward to, to the buzz and the energy in the building. Felt like a holiday in Philadelphia. I can only imagine what it's going to feel like tonight when it's actually Capitals fans in the building and all week too. Good time to have them back. Pittsburgh coming in for two. Uh, coming in later in the week. Uh, The news of the day, of course, revolving around Alex Ovechkin. And Ben, there's still not a whole lot that we know other than that he did not practice yesterday at MedStar Capitals Iceplex. He was out before practice for the team picture. That was taken yesterday. But all eyes on practice this morning to see if he is able to go tonight. The feeling around the team and the sense that we get is perhaps he's not quite ready yet, but we'll see later on this morning. And it's been a long time since we can say we've monitored Alex Ovechkin's health or injury woes over multiple games. You have to go back seven years, John, 2014, the last time he would have missed consecutive games due to injuries. This is unfamiliar territory for the Capitals. That being said, he did miss four straight earlier this year while he was on the COVID list. And again, the Capitals, well, this is not the recipe for long-term success have shown a knack to elevate their play collectively when the captain hasn't been there. That 4-0-1 record this season, most recently the win over the weekend against the Islanders, Daniel Sprong among those taking advantage of increased ice time. So we'll see if they are called upon again to do some heavier lifting with Ovi out should he be unavailable tonight. We'll look for uh, hopefully a similar result, but certainly they've shown a knack in in small bursts to, to elevate their play when Ovi is out. All right, so as the Caps getting ready for the Islanders part three tonight, we bring in Bruce Boudreaux, television superstar, NHL head coach. My friend, how are you this morning? 
I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing great. Fans in these parts have been seeing you on the pregame and the postgame on NBC Sports Washington, and we've seen you on NHL Network as well. I would say that you are a television genius, but I want to get your take on what you think about doing television this year. I think it gets me out of the house and my wife doesn't kill me. So it's a good thing. I've been lucky. Like, I mean, I've really liked it. And you know what, John, anytime I can just talk hockey, it becomes sort of natural. It's not like I'm doing uh, rocket science here. So, I mean, it's uh, talking hockey is what I've done all my whole life. And so, I mean, it's, it's been fun. The people that I've been working with have been really good to me and really nice, whether it be at the uh, Caps pre and post game or the NHL network. So, you know, you'd, you'd rather be behind the bench, but this is pretty good uh, follow up. You know, just in watching a lot of times, you know, I I catch it when I can. I don't get to see you guys every game as we're getting ready for our own show. But one thing I always have is the monitor next to me. And even when the sound is down, it seems like that you're saying something and then everyone else is having a pretty good laugh at something. Just being able to have fun with those folks has got to be a lot of fun, too. Yeah, you know, and and unfortunately, uh, sometimes I don't have a filter and I say some pretty dumb stuff uh, that they have to mute out and, and they laugh about it. It's just whatever comes to my head is, as you know, is sometimes what comes out. I've I've been known to go around in the locker room and start talking and then say, you got to take the cow by the head and you got to do some stupid stuff here and there. And and the guys start looking at each other and going, what the hell is he talking about? And that would be me. <laughs> uh, Bruce, I want I want to ask you a couple of things uh, hockey related, and then just some you and me stuff here. Thoughts on the East Division race? Two weeks to go for the Caps between now and the end of the season, and then the playoffs after that. Caps with a pretty good statement over the weekend on Long Island. One more game tonight at home against the Isles, but the Bruins are getting healthy. They're playing well by and large, even with a couple of losses recently. The Penguins have taken over first place. How do you see this race down the stretch here with two weeks to go? I feel uh, the winner of the division is going to be come between Pittsburgh and, and Wash, and whoever wins those games against each other, I think are, are going to be the eventual winner. But I mean, it's so close. You cannot really decipher, say, you know, you say a first seed versus a fourth seed. I think that's going to be a misnomer. They're pretty well all first seeds, if you, you know, I mean, or capability of being a first seed at any given time. Um, Boston was the first seed overall last year. Washington always seems to be the first seed in their division. You know, so, I mean, it's Pittsburgh is coming off a, a couple of actually down years where they were just average, but it looks like they've got their gusto back and the Islanders play a game that they can always be in no matter what. So it's a, it's going to be an interesting scenario, I think. Wanted to ask you about something that made me feel pretty old this season, and not that you and I need things to feel old about this year, but Mike Green, calling it a career last fall before this season started, and you and I got to see him before he had even gotten to Washington and Hershey when he had just come into professional hockey. What are some of your memories about Mike Green starting out, going back to his Hershey days, maybe even before you had him here? The first thing I remember that sticks out with Mike Green is game seven against Portland, and he scored on a slap shot with about four minutes to go to tie it up on the power play on a pass from Lawrence Nicolette right from the boards. And uh, that's the one thing right off the bat I remember. And these are great memories. The, the, The second memory that comes to me right away is when we won the cup in Hershey that year, 
is him lining up all the tables in the dressing room, putting all the Gatorade on it and doing a like a di- like an old bar fight, just sliding right across all the tables and laughing his butt off. That comes to mind so quickly. The fact that you, you learned very early in your career, like I think in Mike's first year when he came down, yeah, he was, you know, highly sought. Uh, first round pick but he was struggling and there was a couple times when I would just come down the bench and just yell at him and found out that that doesn't work with Mike Green you know he's not good with you know screaming at him so from then on in the the rest of the time I'd coach him if I had something to say to him that was a negative thing I would come up and whisper in his ear and just you know sort of rub him on the back and and say Mike I need you tonight come on you're not doing this right or you're not doing that right and he would answer the bell and that would be to him that that was great and that's where i've learned in the big scheme of things is that you have to treat everybody different because everybody's got a different trigger on what makes them go and this was a trigger that made mike green go so i mean he really helped in my coaching career i remember him when i'm coming up to washington for the first time and he wasn't the first guy i met but i remember him looking at me and i saying here mike i'm here now you know uh, i think i'm coaching and he said he was so happy to have me there and it seemed like it was just like a load off his shoulder that this was a a guy that he could relate to that i was there so I th- those are things and then of course i remember his eight game goal streak and the eighth game was in tampa bay when he got that eighth goal he took a shot and it bounced off somebody and it went high in the air and he came back and he baseballed it right into the net and everybody on the bench, we got permission to jump uh, on the ice and congratulate him because it was uh, no defenseman had ever done that and he did it. But those are just some of the things about Mike Green that uh, hard not to um, remember. I mean, I could go on and on and on, but those are just some of the things that, that come right out at, right away. You know, hearing you talk about him makes me think about things with you in the bigger picture. And when it comes to coaching and the individual personalities, I mean, you kind of hinted on it there a little bit where everybody responds to something in a different way. But how much do you enjoy being able to figure out when, you know, whether it was Washington or Anaheim or Minnesota, but a lot of this business is people. And that seems to be something that you're so very good at. Uh, how much do you personally enjoy getting to know your players on that kind of level? I think it's really it's it's really important to me. I enjoy it because I mean it's the hockey player coming out of me in that you know you love being a teammate so much when you played the game, and so I mean it was always nice to get to know the players a little more personable because this is all I've ever done is hockey. It was just an important thing, and I. John Anderson tipped me off like way, way back when, and he couldn't understand why coaches would scream and scream at you and everything else. And they didn't have a clue what you were all about because John sometimes was an enigma, what he was all about. And and he couldn't understand. And I took a lot of deep thought with that. And I thought it was such a valid point that I I made a note that I want to get to know my players. I mean, and I always tell them, listen, I'm going to be very friendly with you, but I'm not your friend. I don't want them to think that you know, they get uh, treatment of, you know, once they quit hockey, like I've become a friend of Dave Steckles after he quit hockey. But I mean, I want to be friendly and understanding and everything else, but you can't go thinking that I'm going to go out for and have a beer with you after. And because we have to make as coaches, we have to make decisions that sometimes we don't like to make and they're hard to make because we know it affects 
families and personalities and how they'll take it. But you have to do in the end what's right for the team. And so it's a, it became a very important part of my coaching technique. A final thought before I let you go, Bruce. I have gotten a you kick out. You don't have out. to let me go. Let's just go, and I'm on a roll. Come on, let's go. <laughs> what else you got? Uh, I got nothing. It has always been a, a real kick for me, whether it was Washington or Anaheim, Minnesota, and whatever is to come, of seeing you on an NHL bench. I knew you before you had one win in this league. You got 567 of them now, 13 seasons, almost 1,000 games in the NHL as a head coach. I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How much does that fire still burn in you to coach again in the NHL? Oh, like, I mean, I'm not, uh, I love hockey, but I do my studying and do the, do this and follow every game because I'm, I would really like the opportunity to get back one more time. I'm a little bummed out that, that 984 games I got fired for what I think was no apparent reason. So it, I'd like to get my thousandth game in there. And I'd love to be able to lead a team as my dream always was to win a Stanley Cup, but uh, to at least make them better. And I think that uh, I've accomplished that a little bit uh, with the teams that I've been with, but I'd like to do it again. And uh, it's, you know, I want to do this to the day I die. It's, uh, it's what I've done. So uh, it's not a question of, of me not having the energy or anything else. I certainly, certainly think I do and uh, can't wait to get the opportunity hopefully to get back behind a bench someday again well i have every confidence that as good as you are on television bruce that you won't be doing that next season and i look forward to that and i'm sure everyone does in this region as well but thanks for sitting down with us here this morning on caps this morning and uh, we look forward to seeing more of your tv work here in the coming days and weeks as we get in toward the playoffs Mr. Walton, without uh, hurting Mr. Beninati's feelings, it's great to talk to the best hockey broadcast announcer on TV. Thank you. And radio. Boy, there you go. <laughs> Man, do I go a long way back with that guy. I could do that all day. Bruce Boudreau <laughs> joining us here on Caps this morning. Man, I've been around him for 16 years. He's 22nd all-time in victories in NHL history. TV has been great for him. I'm thrilled that he has been able to have that opportunity, but you can hear how much he wants to get back on the bench, and I firmly believe that he's going to be there next season. And media superstar Bruce Boudreau on NHL Network and NBC Sports Washington this year, but to your point, looking forward to him getting back behind an NHL bench, hopefully as soon as next season, because you look at his previous stops, Minnesota, Anaheim, and of course here in Washington, the ability to turn teams around to get them Strong regular seasons on their way to potentially deep postseason runs. Certainly a guy who has shown, uh, you know, has had a lot of success and his time here in Washington will, will always have a, a special place in, in people's hearts here. Really as much as a, a part of that rock the red era as any of the young guns uh, over a decade ago. And you have a little history with him too from his time here, Yes. Funny story. I don't think I've ever shared this with you, John. This goes back to uh, my first or second year here in Washington. So maybe a year or two before you arrived, thinking 09, 10, somewhere in there. Bruce Boudreaux, as you know, John, big Notre Dame football fan. And we met with him at the Kettler Capitals Iceplex after practice. He did his post-practice press conference with the media. And then when all the cameras shut off, we casually spoke to him off to the side, shooting the breeze. And Notre Dame was having a rough season that fall. And he mentioned something off the cuff, just having a conversation. He said, guys, Notre Dame football were so bad this year. I don't even know if we could beat Potomac High School. 
Okay, that was the line Bruce said. And we all laughed. It was funny. It was a funny line. He said it off the cuff. Anyways, I retreat to the media room at the Kettler Capitals Iceplex. I put it on Twitter. I, I shared the line that Bruce had. Got a few, whatever, retweets. It circulated a little bit, I guess. Next day, we go back for practice. After practice, he's preparing to meet the media. I get a tap on the shoulder from the media relations folks at the time. They say, Bruce wants to see you in his office. All right, that's odd. I go into the office, says, sit down. I have a seat. First time I'm in the coach's office at the practice facility, I sit down and Bruce says to me, I saw what you put out there on Twitter yesterday, my comment about Notre Dame football. And John, I don't know where he's going with this. And I have a big smirk on my face and I say, yeah, Bruce, that was pretty funny. I think a lot of people got a kick out of it. It was funny. It was well-received. And he just goes all 24-7 Bruce Boudreaux on me. He says, I don't give a bleep what other people think. What are you doing to me? I had Notre Dame football, the athletics department, Ben. They're calling the Capitals. They're calling Ted Leonsis, George McPhee. They're saying, tell Bruce Boudreaux to mind his own business, coaches, bleeping hockey team. What are you doing that to me, Ben? I'm like, I can't be a robot all the time. I got to have some person. I could talk to you guys. And he says, he's making me feel awful that I did this, John. So end of the story is I rush home after practice that day. I get on my laptop. I start searching Notre Dame football, Notre Dame athletics, SIDs, media relations folks. I email them. I call them, John. I call all these folks at Notre Dame and South Bend. I say, Ben Raby, I'm in Washington. Listen, I need to talk to somebody about these comments the head coach of the Capitals made about your football team. John, none of them had any clue what the heck I was talking about. (laughs) Bruce set me up. He knew what he was doing. Called me into his office that day. He set me up. I understood what he did, but I got home and I felt a lot better after I called those folks at Notre Dame and I realized what Bruce had done. That is hilarious. No, you never shared that with me, nor did he for that matter. (laughs) He wouldn't remember. He wouldn't remember that, but I've never relayed it back to him. I I didn't tell him the next day. Hey, Bruce, I called them in South Bend. They have no idea what you're talking. No, I just left it. 10 years oh, later. Oh, that's here we so are. good. That's amazing. Now, I bet he does remember that. Now, I'll have to get him with that one next time. That's good stuff. All right. So, quickly here, while we're running out of time, we got a big tilt tonight, Caps and Islanders, but a big night as well in the Mass Mutual East Division. Everyone is in action tonight. Flyers visit New Jersey, one of four straight games between them. Buffalo in New York tonight to face the Rangers. The Blue Shirts hoping for a big night tonight. They're four back of Boston for fourth. They still need a lot of help, Ben, with the Bruins holding two games in hand, but never say never. And if it went the Rangers' way again tonight, where they won and Boston didn't, this race might yet get interesting for that four spot. New York Rangers are not going away. And John, I continue to say this for weeks. Had they not dug themselves that hole early on this season, the way they've been playing the past 30, 35 games, arguably among the best in the division, they've been so good for a couple of months now. They just might ultimately, though, still run out of racetrack, but they're sure making it interesting. That's for sure. It is very hard to make up ground anyway in the NHL in the era of the three-point game. It's really hard when everybody in the division plays each other and that's it, but maybe that's going to work to their advantage. Who knows? Rangers tonight at home against Buffalo. And the reason why there's reason for optimism in Gotham is that there's a big tilt tonight in Pittsburgh. The first place Penguins are hosting those Boston Bruins. Penguins starting the night one point up on Washington in the East. Both teams will have just seven games remaining when Pittsburgh comes to town for a two-game set here in D.C. on Thursday. That is going to be the next couple of shows. But for this one, yeah, Boston better get it together tonight. 
Yeah, certainly. And for Pittsburgh, again, they continue to chug along and an opportunity to come into Washington for the Penguins on Thursday night. Still sole possession of top spot in the Mass Mutual East Division. So a lot of a uh, lot of motivation, I imagine, for both the Pens and for Boston to at least even up that series they have at PPG Paints Arena. All right. So the standings on this Tuesday morning, Penguins in first with 67, Washington in second with 66, the Islanders in third. They've got 63 points. The aforementioned Bruins at 60, still games in hand on everybody. And the New York Rangers sitting there at 56. Caps Islanders tonight at 7. Ben, what do we have going on this afternoon on Caps game day starting at 4 p.m. right here on Caps Radio 24-7? Well, if we didn't get enough Bruce Boudreaux this morning, even more from Gabby and your conversation with him coming up. And also, we're going to look at the three teams the Capitals are competing with in the East, Pittsburgh, the Islanders, and Boston. And we'll debate and we'll rank them. Who might be the most desirable first-round opponent and who might be the least desirable first-round opponent from a Capitals perspective between the Pens, Islanders, and Bruins? All right, so you got that coming up this afternoon at 4 Game time tonight at 7. Welcome back, fans. Fan, have yourself a great Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, John. For the latest on the Capitals and hockey news around the clock. Let's go, Caps! Tune in to Caps Radio 24-7. Listen online via the Capitals mobile app at CapsRadio247.com. Or ask Alexa to play Caps Radio 24-7 on TuneIn.